Our reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 31 and starting at verse 1 to 14. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord, your God himself, will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the king of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So Moses wrote down this law and gave it to the Levitical priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, At the end of every seven years, in the year for cancelling debts, during the festival of tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God, at the place he will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the foreigners residing in your towns, so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children, who do not know this law, must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. The Lord said to Moses, Now the day of your death is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting, where I will commission him. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. This is God's word. Where else would you turn upon the death of a monarch? But to Deuteronomy 31, uh, it might seem a little obscure, but hopefully it'll make sense. Let me, um, let me lead us in prayer as we look at this together. Our great God and Father, we thank you for, uh, once again, for the life of Queen Elizabeth. And in particular, at a church service this evening, we give you thanks that she pointed towards uh, the Lord Jesus as king over her life. And with him, uh, we can have every confidence. We do not need to be anxious or fearful in any sense, in any circumstance. So help us, knowing him. Would we know that he would, is the one who will never leave us nor forsake us? Would we therefore be strong and courageous knowing him? We do ask it in his name. Amen. Now, I left work uh, here about 6.30 on, on Thursday night, and um, my commute home takes me back past the palace, and there was a bit of a pretty big crowd there, a few hundred there already by that stage, and I stopped at the lights. I did stop at the lights. And um, uh, the bloke, I was just sort of chatting to the bloke next to me, I said, golly, there's quite a crowd there already, isn't there, in the rain? Uh, they could be there for some time. Who knows? 
And uh, he just sort of nodded. And uh, oh, and then the flag came down. And of course, being 21st century people, we then scrolled just to make sure. Um, oh yeah, refresh, refresh. I'm not sure why else they would move the flag, but um, okay. And then sort of we got off our bikes and sort of, I thought for a moment we were going to embrace one another, which would have been a bit weird, um, but we didn't. We just sort of silently nodded, and the whole crowd, so the, the murmur, as the volume went down. Certainly a strange moment. But there's a mixture of emotions that the death, and certainly the death of a monarch, can bring. Well, thankfulness is one thing, uh, grief, uh, perhaps relief that King Charles III seems to have started well. But certainly one of the overwhelming emotions in the mood of the nation seems to be a certain bewildering loss, which makes sense, isn't it, after this constant figure of 70 years. Because the last time we lost a monarch, there was the reassuring presence of Winston Churchill as Prime Minister, you know, for his deep flaws, and there's certainly there's some of them, uh, still, you know, the great man who'd led the country uh, through the war, the great orator, uh, you, know, you knew that he'd uh, helped the country through the death of a monarch. And um, w- without being rude, poor Liz Truss, two days into the job, isn't, sh- isn't Churchill. Um, and golly, what a lot of change, all in one week. Uh, one of the stats that did my head in was, of the current global population living, 94% were born during her reign. How weird is that? Only 6% of those alive on the planet predated her reign. She was around for a long time. And so I think for, if you're a Brit, we recognize that as a nation, we're diminished without her, I think, um, because presidents, leaders, everyone wanted to meet the Queen. Everyone wanted their invite to Buckingham Palace. So there aren't many people who are, on the, um, who are beloved of Presidents Obama and Trump. I think that's a pretty short list of those that both of them would, uh, would love. But desperate. Uh, the story's told that one of the reasons that President Reagan, okay, will support the, the UK and the Falklands War was because, well, he had, a, he had a state visit coming up and he didn't want to offend the Queen. That just would be awkward. He didn't want to lose out on his state visit. I don't know whether that's true or not. But undoubtedly, that soft power that she projected, she made the UK more. In some senses, symbolized us. And so that you lose the embodiment of, in many ways, what is good and noble about your country. Slightly dislocating. And that's why I thought we'd turn to Deuteronomy 31. Perhaps obscure, yet it is the passing of Moses and the succession plan for replacing him. And with no disrespect to our current monarchy, this was a much bigger deal. Um, there was less red velvet and trumpets, no doubt, um, when Joshua took over than there was on Saturday morning. That was quite something. Um, but the Queen is a constitutional monarch, or was, as Charles is now. Back in 57, her Christmas broadcast, the Queen observed, I cannot lead you into battle. I, I do not give you laws. I do not administer justice, but I can do this thing. I can give you my heart and my devotion to these old islands and to all the peoples of our brotherhood of nations. But of course, it doesn't lead anyone into battle, doesn't create law, doesn't administer justice. Moses did all of those things. He was Israel. He had been the human leader who took Israel out of slavery from Egypt, gave them their freedom, 
and he's about to die. And if you know the book of Deuteronomy in any sense, the final four chapters are all basically saying, now what do we do? What do we do without Moses? What do we do without Moses? We're stuffed, um, is really the gist of it. Moses is dead. Long live oh, Joshua. Oh, that's not going to be the same, is it? That's not as good. And so if, by some miracle, King Charles III wanted a, uh, a sermon this week to encourage him and asked a pleb such as me rather than some archbishop, I think I'd probably want to turn to Deuteronomy 31. For us, if you are feeling that sense of, oh golly, the queen is gone, that's a bit weird, it's a good place to turn. Or actually, even if you're completely indifferent to the queen, here is in, Josh, excuse me, in Deuteronomy 31, a word of encouragement in any time of fragility. Because two things are really stressed. They're very simple and it won't take us long. When you lose the irreplaceable leader, here are two things that certainly Israel needed to know and it's good for us to know. The Lord himself will be with you and his word will be with you. So you'll be fine. Very simple. Let's look at them. First, the Lord himself will be with you. So these are a few verses. Chapter 31 and verse 1. Moses went out and said, I've run my race. He spoke these words to all Israel. I'm now 120 years old and I'm no longer able to lead you. Well, that is a good innings, 120 years, but he's led the nation for 40. I'm now no longer to, able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. But you'll be all right, everyone, because here's what I can tell you. Verse 3. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy those nations before you and you'll take possession of their land. Joshua also will go ahead of you, as the Lord said. The Lord will do this. The Lord will destroy. The Lord will deliver. You'll be okay. Now, pause. This is a unique moment in history. Uh, there's been no nation since or before Israel that God chose and said, I will fight for you. I will create this homeland for you. I'll destroy the terrifying Canaanites and their wickedness, their child-sacrificing, despicable regime. That's going to go. I'm going to defeat them. You'll be fine because I'm going to fight. It's a unique moment in history. Uh, there's no country since them. But it's worth observing, they're, they're not merely facing, if I can say merely, facing a cost of living crisis. They were about to go into battle against an overwhelming, terrifying enemy. So they needed to know that God was with them. Christians, if you're a Christian here tonight, you live with the knowledge that Jesus' final words recorded in Matthew's gospel, I'll go and make disciples of all nations, and surely I am with you. Always to the very end of the age. God himself, Jesus, is with his people, always. So in an unsettling moment, it's a very simple truth. God is with us. God is for us. But in that is extraordinary, resilient, confident, giving power. So people, I mean, it's one of the most things is if, you know, when the BBC's finished saying anything it's got to say and then says, well, let's ask the people what they think. And they trot out perhaps the same things as has already been said already. They interview members of the public. You know, what do you think? Well, how are you feeling? Well, she's just always been there, hasn't she? I mean, basically, they see she's always been there or she was such a lovely lady. I mean, that's basically all you get. Um, in those, one of those two camps, she's always been there. And from, from 
most of us, she has always been there, and that is that sort of reassuring presence I mentioned earlier. But she's always been there for 70 years on the throne. That's not the same as the one who's been here or the one who created time, the one who stands outside eternity, the one who from age to age he stands, the one we, we sung at the beginning while mortals rise and perish, our God lives unchanging on. Now that is constancy. And he's with you. So you'll be all right. It's one reason I think we, we Christians love the Queen's Christmas messages. She knew the Lord was with her. It's an encouragement to hear the sovereign proclaim that. Back in 2002, um, Femi, we may have that one, I don't know. I know just how much I rely on my faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give up my best in all that the day brings and to put my trust in God. I draw strength from the message of hope in the Christian gospel. So while you and I might find this period bewildering, there are no towering figures to lead the nation, no reassuring historical characters who have been with us a long time to lead the nation. God is with us. We'll be all right. Jesus is the one we need. And the very best of leaders will point you to him. Moses told the people back then, verse 6, If you know this, well, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, these Wicked Canaanites. The Lord your God goes with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Just let those two things rumble around in your head, right? <laughs> They're repeated in the New Testament. The writer of the Hebrews says, actually, every believer needs to know this. God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Very simple truth. But particularly if you're bewildered, unsettled, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You need to know that. If you're stuck in your car this week and the rain is absolutely pelting down and your windscreen wipers are going, you might think, never leave you nor forsake you, never leave you nor forsake you, never leave. If you're pedaling through the rain on a bike, you might think, never leave you nor forsake you, never leave you nor forsake you. If you're walking, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, never leave you nor forsake you. If you're hopping, I've got nothing for you. <laughs> but why not this? We just, it's such a simple truth. It's so important to know. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And look, we must pray for our next leader, as uh, they did. Poor Joshua. I do think poor Joshua. Uh, he's stepping into the shoes of um, Moses. He needed to know the same truths as the whole nation were told. He basically repeated verse 7. Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, what he's just told everyone else, be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. You must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you, will be with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you, never leave you nor forsake you. So do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Human leaders come and go. One of the reasons that it's so weird that Queen Elizabeth has died is she was here a long time and reigning a long time. She's been constant. But wonderfully for her, the Lord said, time for you to come home, good and faithful servant. 
And now you and I, we must pray for Charles III. But we made a very good start, didn't we, on, on Friday? I just can't get my head around the weirdness of going from I'm a man and I'm sort of allowed to have my own opinions to no more. <laughs> I'm now just a figure. I'm like a cipher. I'm the monarch. I'm above politics now. I can't express my own opinions. That's a pretty weird thing you become. Let's pray for him. He doesn't appear to have quite as clear a personal faith in the Lord Jesus as his mother. Who knows? And time can tell. He'll certainly not have the longevity of reign as the queen. But that's okay. We don't need another Elizabeth because we have the Lord himself who is with us. The Lord himself is with you. And secondly, briefly, his word is with you as well in verses 9 to 13. Now, why is this here? You can very happily go from chapter 31, verse 8. It's Moses talking to Joshua, uh, and then to verse 14, called Joshua. That would make sense. He's talking to Joshua, and then he's talking to Joshua again, and sort of crowbarred into the middle of him this conversation with Joshua, of verses 9 to 13. Now, who's clumsily dumped them there? Well, obviously, no one has clumsily dumped them there. They're put there for a purpose, because... Here is the source of Joshua being strong and courageous. He needs to, and the people need to, read the word of God. (laughs) They need the law of the Lord to shape them so that they're reminded of who he is. So Moses says, look, make sure you read it cover to cover, probably the the whole Pentateuch, uh, Genesis through to the end of Deuteronomy, every seven years. Do it as a celebration. Do it as the whole nation has gathered. Do Bring all the children in so they can hear it for the first time if they've never heard the first five books of the Bible. Do you see there's a sense in which Moses is not replaced by Joshua, but by God's word. Moses is gone, but it's okay. We've still got God's word is what's being said here. Now, come coronation, whenever it comes, six months uh, hence from now, I think there'll be a few changes compared to uh, uh, last time round, no doubt. I'd imagine Charles will be a little less bored than he was at his mother's coronation. You see all that footage of him just yawning away. Uh, I imagine he'll be a bit more animated and engaged than he was uh, 70 odd years ago. Uh, I imagine it'll probably be shorter than three hours. That seems a bit long uh, for a church service in the UK. Um, you might get away with it elsewhere in the world, but not in the UK. It seems a bit long. Um, Whether or not the Bible still has the central place, I don't know. We'll see. But um, some will know that uh, back in 1953 at the Queen's coronation, these words are declared to her as a Bible is put in her hands. Our gracious Queen, to keep your majesty ever mindful of the law and the gospel of God as the rule for the whole life and government of Christian princes, we present you with this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. That's quite something, isn't it? Back in 1953, 27 million people crowded around tellies that they'd bought the day before or uh, bundled into their neighbors' houses because they'd heard their neighbor had bought a TV and watched those flickering black and white images and heard... This is the most valuable thing there is in the whole world. With respect to those who work there, you can sell off the royal collection. You can sell off the crown jewels. 
It's right. If you have the word of God, you have the most valuable thing that this world affords. Isn't that extraordinary? And I take it that when King Charles III is formally crowned, the global audience will be enormous. And hopefully hearing those words again. Moses tells the people the benefit is, well, if you listen regularly to the word of God, verse 12, they'll learn to listen and fear or revere the Lord your God. And verse 13, the children will learn to fear, revere, you translate it how you want, fear, revere the Lord your God. Here is the key to being strong and courageous. Here is what will persuade you that God is with you, that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's regularly reading his word, listening to him speak. So the Lord himself will be with you. His word will be with you. Two things as I finish. The first, here is a word of encouragement in a time of change. It is a sea change in our nation. There is a reason. Have you been to, to Green Park? You can't even get to the palace. They just shove you into Green Park and say, nice flowers, take the wrapper off, put them there, and uh, shuffle along. Um, everyone knows this is a moment. I mean, I don't know. You can watch it on telly tonight, I guess, on the news. No doubt they'll be asked, why are you here? And most will say, um, I, don't know, I wanted to honor the queen, or I just wanted to be here, part of this thing. We know that this is a significant moment in our nation's history. So here's a word of encouragement. The book of Deuteronomy ends in chapter 34 by declaring of Moses that the Israelites grieved for 30 days, and since this time no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses. We've never had anyone like him. No one has ever shown the mighty power, performed the miracles that Moses did. Oh, we've never had anyone quite like Moses ever again. And certainly I've heard that on the news multiple times. We'll never see her like again. We'll never have one like her. Well, maybe, maybe not. We don't know. But no doubt I think the loss of Queen Elizabeth makes us feel a little bit less as a nation. But we need to know as Christians, Jesus is with us. His word is with us. And in strange times, uncertain times, even if actually the, this whole monarchy thing leaves you indifferent, there'll be other moments in your life, moments of grief, unsettling moments. God is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You have him, you have his word, you'll be fine. Be strong and courageous. So there's a word of encouragement in a time of uncertainty. And secondly, let me finish on this. Here is then the Queen's secret. <laughs> So no doubt you'll have conversations about the Queen in the next week, at college, at work, wherever it may be, in the neighbourhood. And people will say what they're meant to say, or maybe they feel it. She was an extraordinary servant, weren't they? And you could ask them, why do you think that was? Why do you think she was faithful? Why do you think she wasn't caught up in scandal like many of her relatives why, why do you think that it was? There's a family here this morning. They, um, uh, they were previously in Saudi Arabia. They were there when the king there died. Uh, American family working at the embassy. They, they just said, I've got to tell you, it's quite different 
when that monarch died to when this one did, wasn't a lot to celebrate back then. And everyone just said nothing. It's quite weird being here and, okay, there's so much that you're thankful for. Here, what's the secret? Why do you think the queen was a servant such as this? She said it was because of Jesus. Now, oh, as Penny Duro observed, people want to rewrite that. But the last time we'd have heard her give a Christmas message was in 2021. And those were her final words. Jesus' teachings have been handed down from generation to generation and have been the bedrock of my faith. As the carol says, the hopes and fears of all thy years are met in thee tonight. She knew these truths and she knew the Lord Jesus. And so as I say, if you're feeling disappointed that you're one of those who never met her, well, if you're a Christian, you'll do so, no doubt again. But why she was, she was a great monarch, wasn't she? Why do you think that was? She said she learned to serve at the feet of Jesus. She came to realize that greatness is in serving others. She knows that she'll be with him in heaven for eternity. What about you? So don't be shy. She wasn't shy. Jesus is with you. His word is with you. Be strong and courageous. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we can give thanks that we had a monarch who knew that deeply. Let me lead us in prayer. Our great God and Father, we thank you for the life and service of Queen Elizabeth. Thank you for her faith. Thank you that she became increasingly clear and willing to declare openly that she was one who trusted in Jesus and that was her source of strength. He was her anchor. Father, uh, thank you that we have absolute confidence that no doubt you've taken her home to be with you. Assuredly, I'm sure she would want us to keep praying for the rest of her family, that they would come or grow more deeply in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And even this season where people are reflecting on the strange transition of her departure, would there be further conversation of why she served in a great way? And would she continue even after she's left this mortal world? In her legacy to point to Christ, we pray in his name. Amen.